Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. You may be seated for a couple of minutes as we get ready to get started this morning. Just want to welcome everyone, uh, all CFC family and friends that are here. Good to see you here. Uh, those watching online, glad to see you're following us this morning. We just have a few announcements this morning. We just want to remind everyone we're still in phase two of uh, uh, reopening. Uh, reopening. I don't know. We went backwards. We was in phase three. We in phase two, but there's still plenty of room for you to attend service here with us. We do ask that you uh, uh, follow uh, proper protocols for social distancing and things like that. And uh, use, we have hand sanitizer at the door. We ask you to take part and use that also. We just want to keep everyone safe. Amen. Uh, just a quick announcement of we do have calendars on the back table on both sides. If you have not gotten your calendar yet for 2021, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to throw 2020 calendar away right now and <laughs> jump straight into this. But uh, it has scriptures on it. Uh, please, we ask that one per household uh, until at least January. That way it gives everybody a chance to get one. But that's just a little gift from us to you, uh, Christian Fellowship calendar there. Again, just stay connected with us uh, online through different ways. Uh, we have a QR code if you'd put up there, Nathaniel. You'll see this in your bulletin. Take your phone, uh, iPad, and things, whatever has a camera, scan it and it'll bring you to a live link for all these uh, things, our website. Uh, again, uh, my wife has been working real hard on the website. If you haven't been there lately, it's a lot more easy to navigate through, to watch the videos and everything. There's also a latest updates that if you don't have Facebook, you just click on that latest update thing and it somehow pulls up the Facebook page on the website and it gives you the latest announcements. So again, you can watch live on Facebook uh, prayer request, uh, that, that's something we want to remind everyone. On the uh, church website, we have two things. We have a prayer request link, which you fill out, and it sends an email to all the people on the prayer team. But we also have another thing called the prayer wall, where you could post your prayer or praise report on the prayer wall, and it's able to be seen by everybody, and they could uh, pray for you and different things. So I encourage you throughout the week, go on the prayer wall, see what needs other people may be posting up there that you could pray with them and for their need. Amen? All right, so we want to just remind you, if you have any children, uh, that new generations ages 6 through 11 will be showing their uh, morning service uh, tonight on their web, on Facebook, so you could uh, see exactly what's going on back there. Uh, as we're in phase two for the month of December, we are not having our Wednesday evening uh, services right now to help for the spread of COVID. Uh, the last Wednesday in December, we are going to still have our water baptism. I uh, just want to let you know, if, you, if you're interested in being water baptized, Wednesday the, the 30th, so far we're still having it unless it gets worse that they shut us down uh, more. But uh, as of right now, we'll have it. Uh, I do ask that if you want to be baptized, turn in a new paper. I, I got one from y'all, uh, Logan, yellow uh, niece. Uh, so you don't have to do that. But we had some turned in from the beginning of the year, and we weren't able to do the bat water baptism the first uh, quarter because of the COVID uh, shutdown. So uh, please turn in a new paper so we know to, that you'll be coming that night. All right, so just uh, last thing, I just want to remind, uh, say happy birthday to anyone having a birthday this week between now and next Sunday. If you're having a birthday, raise your hand. Scott Rodrigue, happy birthday. 
Right, right over there. Happy birthday, too. All right, there we go. Anyone else having a birthday up, up top? Oh, Doug, the, the, you got a haircut, Kathy. I didn't recognize you. Yeah, <laughs> he's got it up. All right. uh, Doug's having a birthday tomorrow. Tell him happy birthday. Anyone else? All right, anyone online just want to say happy birthday to you? Uh, anyone having an anniversary between now and next Sunday? Raise your hand. No one? All right. If you are online, just want to say happy birthday to you. Happy anniversary. What's that? Hope. Tad Gaspar's having what? Happy birthday, Tad. He's watching online. And he says he's having a birthday. So uh, we miss T. Gaspar, but uh, he he's, uh, has immune uh, things he needs to take because he had a kidney transplant and he's not able to be out in public right now. But we miss him. He's usually playing the drums right there on, on, on the platform. We miss him and his family. Amen. But what we're, we're going to do is have our offering this morning. So if you uh, take your offering this morning, I want to read a couple of verses of scriptures. Isaiah chapter 54 verses 2 and 3 says this, Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dis- dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. And Isaiah 55, 10 through 11 says, As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve. It is the purpose for which I sent it. How many of you know that God's word is alive and active? Amen. Amen. So it changes things. So stand to your feet this morning. Hold your offering in your right hand. And let's repeat after me. See, as I give in today's offering, I seek to enlarge, to be enlarged in my spirit and in my mind. I want to see more. Believe more, do more, and be more than I have in the past. Today is my day to say, Lord, enlarge my faith and my vision. Stretch my spirit of giving. Allow me to move into another level of giving beyond my own capacity. In Jesus' name we pray. What we're going to do as Sister Aliska plays on the keyboards, if you would, just come on up. We've got three baskets in the front. Uh, keep your social distancing and place your offering in the basket. Amen. Make your way on up. I believe a special word from the Lord today that's I think very one of the most important things you're going to hear for your spiritual growth today and it's dealing with your identity 
And I, I know many of us heard of the, uh, who you are in Christ and all the scriptures people uh, quote, which you need to know and believe. But that's not kind of where I'm going today. I want you to understand that today your identity of who you are in Christ is important to victory in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Do, do you know that a lot of people may say, you know, I've been saved 20 years, but you kind of re- repeating the same cycle in life and not being free from certain things in life. Part of that is not knowing the truth of the Word of God. And that's what we're going to be sharing in a few minutes here. So let's just get ready to worship the Lord this morning. Our call to worship this morning is from Psalms 47, verses 1 and 2, where it says, Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy, for the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth. Let's stand to our feet as we just get ready to worship and uh, begin in prayer. Father, I just come to you today. Father, I lift up this entire service to you right now. Father, we ask that you have your way in this place, that you move in this place this morning, Father God. Father, I pray for all those in the sound of my voice uh, watching online today or in future future dates that your spirit would move and touch their lives this uh, morning also, Father. Father, just have your way in this place as we worship you in Jesus' mighty and precious name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. Let's worship this morning.
edge of town, foundations of the earth and sky.
At the service, if you would like uh, to come on the platform and take a picture with your family in front of this little ch uh, chair or those trees, you're more than welcome to. We act, uh, if you have children, do not let the children run around on the platform. Uh, we have expensive equipment up here, but uh, keep your social distancing. But if you do want a Christmas picture here, you're more than welcome to, all right? Amen. Let's go ahead and dismiss our kids, three, four, and five, to their classrooms right now. And next week also, if uh, again, we'll have the uh, still be decorated. So if you want to come take a Christmas picture next Sunday is our Christmas service, uh, actually. So amen. How many of you love the Lord? Amen. Amen. Okay, well, how many of you don't? Because that wasn't everybody. Well, let's ask that question again. How many of you love the Lord? Amen. 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 I'm so glad the saints play at three this afternoon because that gives me five hours right now. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know, uh, as we get ready to study uh, God's word this morning, I think, like I mentioned earlier, our identity, who we are in Christ, is what you have to grab hold of. You, be, you become born again uh, making a connection with God and his family. And then the next thing is to grow in God's character and know what God says about you and who you are. Uh, let, let, so let's just go in prayer and we'll get started here this morning. Let's, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just come to you right now. And I, Lord, I lift up each and every person in the sound of my voice right now, Father. Father, I pray that blind eyes be opened this morning, Father God, that we could see the uh, spiritual truths in your word this morning, Father God. I pray that, pray that deaf ears be open this morning, Father God, that every ear could hear the spiritual truths this morning, Father God. I pray that you touch our minds, that we could comprehend the truths of the Spirit this morning, Father God. And most of all, I pray that our hearts be softened to receive your word, Father God, that it could take root in our heart, Father God, and produce a, a in our life and bring change to our life. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, Amen, Amen. If you get your notes out this morning, uh, I got a couple of places that I've added uh, a couple of notes to uh, since then. So if you have your Bible, you can open it to Jeremiah chapter 1. We're going to be going there. But this message is called Identity. And if you notice, there's a fingerprint. On there, how many of you, when you were growing up in school, uh, I remember in elementary, one day out of the year they they had came and did done your fingerprints, you know, and uh, put it on a, on a board. Why did they do that? To identify who you are. 
they know who you are. And how do they know? Because everybody's fingerprint is different. Think about that. Every fingerprint is unique and different. And uh, I looked up, even identical twins have different fingerprints. And now they're getting into retina scanning, that everybody's retina somehow in their eye. I wouldn't even know how to begin to look at that is different too, and that's how the scanning, that every person is unique, that no two people are alike. And I, I started thinking about that, and what I want you to do is look at your thumb right now, because you're going to need to do this from now on. When, you, when you're going to start struggling in life, how many of you every once in a while say, God, why you made me like this? Uh, and you start begin comparing yourself to other people. Why can't I be like that? I wish I was more like that. Well, if God wanted you that way, he would have made you that way. You see, when we start believing the lie that other people were created better than us, that other people were created uh, in this way, that somehow God made a shushu, a dud, when he created you, you begin believing the lie of the devil, and you're not believing in the identity that God has by creating you. And you know what ends up happening is that old saying, you know what a cemetery's filled most with? Unfulfilled potential. You see, most people struggle with who they are, who God created them to be. They look around and they just wish they were something else. But we have to know who God made us to be and created us to be because that's who we should be. Now, I want, to, I, want, I want to talk to you a, a few things here in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. I want you to know, notice these are timeless truths that are throughout the Bible. The Bible is full of timeless truths. And the, the very unique thing about the Bible, which I mentioned a while ago, is that the Bible says that, that the Word is alive and active. How many of you read books? Uh, you're, you're, you're like, my wife loves reading books and different things. You know, you go to a library and it's full of books that you could read. But you know what makes this different, this book different? See, you see, you read those other books, but this book reads you. In Timothy, it says that all scripture is God breed, God breed and it shows us our errors. It corrects us. When you begin to read God's word, it begins, it actually reads you. And it wants to bring correction in your life for the wrong way we think. And that's where I want you to see that, that I need you to understand that these timeless principles that, that are through God's scripture, we're going to look at. And starting in verse 4, it said, The word of the Lord came to me saying, this is speaking to Jeremiah the prophet. I want you to understand the first thing about God is for and for everybody is that God wants to speak to you. You hear me? God wants to speak to you. And how does he speak to you mostly? I would say it's through his word. Okay, what is his word? It's his it's what he spoke, what he said. So he's already spoken in his word and and it's it's alive and you God will speak through you to his word. God will speak through you tell you through your spirit in different ways, but the most common way is through his word. And how many of you know that I wish God would yell at us sometime? Maybe we, we'd hear him better. But God speaks in a still, small voice. 
which means we have to quiet all the madness around us, find a quiet place, get in his word so we could hear his voice. You're, not, you're probably not going to hear it in the chaos. But I want you to understand, timelessly, through time, and let, let me, let, I'll go there. I wasn't, I wasn't going to talk about this. But the way you find the purest form of something is to go back to when the original, right? Uh, uh, the purest form of something is going back to the original. So let's go back to original man. We're talking about that God wants to speak to you. And the timeless principles throughout the Bible. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. What, when God created Adam and Eve, don't you remember it says that he used to come down in the cool of the evening to be with them? What do you think he came down there for? To stare at them? He came to fellowship with them. From the very beginning, from his very first creations, he wanted to speak to man. And then we'll look at... Uh, the next verse here, verse 5 says, it's speaking to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, understanding, he's speaking to Jeremiah, and he appointed Jeremiah a prophet to the nations. Okay, but the other two things I want you to understand, this timeless truth is, he wants to speak to you, but the next thing is that he formed you. God made you. You know why you have that unique fingerprint? It's because he made you one of a kind. We're not a Xerox copy that is just made out. You are uniquely made and God loves you. And for me to ever think God, why you made me this way? You messed up. You made a shoo-shoo. You made a dud. It's telling God that, God, you're not perfect. You made a mistake, God. You see, that's, that's what the enemy wants you to believe, that you're a mistake, that somehow God, God messed up on you. That somehow you didn't turn out the way he wanted you to. but you're exactly the way he made you. God formed you. He's telling Jeremiah, before I, before I formed you. So let's go back to the purest form in Genesis. God took the dust of the earth, and what did he do? He formed Adam. See, God made you. Don't think God makes junk or that God makes mistakes. When he created Eve, what he done? He took a rib from Adam and he formed her from the rib. You see, you, your identity is found in who God made. God made you that way. So quit thinking, quit allowing the enemy to tell you that God messed up on you. Because he didn't. And, and, and I know we all struggle in this area in some ways. You know? And so that's why I'm saying, when you start feeling that way, I want you to start looking at the, your thumb again. And realize, you know what? I'm the only one God made like this. Now, then he tells Jeremiah that he, formed, he, that he called you to be a prophet to the nations. 
That tells me that God wants to speak to me. Secondly, that God made me. And thirdly, is that God made me for a purpose. Let's go back to the purest form in Genesis. God created man, and he told him, be fruitful, multiply, gave him purpose, be in charge of the uh, garden and watch over it. You see, you'll never find your purpose in life until you find your identity in him. You need to know who you are, and you will find your purpose in him. You need to understand that God wants to talk to you. God wants to spend time with you. That God made you just the way he wanted to. That's why he gave you your own unique fingerprint. You're not a dud. You're not subpar. You're not less than someone else. You know, I think part of what we we struggle with is we see things, people doing all kinds of different things, and, you know, uh, these big ministries that, you know, thousands of people and they're on TV, they're doing all these things. And we say, boy, if only I could be like that. Boy, if only I could do all those things. That's not what God looks at. I, I think the ones who are going to be most rewarded in heaven is the little momons and papas and people that find that prayer closet while no one's looking. And they're on their knees each and every day as a prayer warrior, interceding in prayer. That's the most important thing. Look, Jesus told us, what you do, don't do it to be seen by men. You know, it's on the TV, it's all over the place. He's saying, because that, that's not the reason. And what happens is people start to think, oh, I wish I could do I wish I, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do this. God, why you didn't make me like that? See, God's not going to say how many TV programs that you have. God don't care how many followers you have on Facebook. God's just concerned about did you fulfill the call I had for you? Did you live the life I created for you? Did you fulfill the potential and purpose I created you for? See, little Momo in the closet may never get any recognition here on earth by men around. But it's very important to God. That's the battlefield. No. So God created you for a purpose. He he wants to speak to you. He created you. And uh, he created you for a purpose. And our purpose is found in him. And so what does the enemy want to do? The enemy wants you to think less of yourself. The enemy wants you to save. All he could do now is say, oh, okay, I need to stop them from fulfilling the purpose God created them for. Right? He can't make you be unsaved. The, the, the Bible tells us that nothing, the demons in hell, cannot separate you from the love of God. But he can keep you from fulfilling the purpose God created you for. Ephesians 2.10, for we are created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he has prepared for us in advance. So the enemy just wants you to think in your mind, you're not good enough to do anything for God. You're lucky God even accepts you. Who you think you are. 
That's the lie of the enemy. Now notice it on your papers here. John 8.32 says this. It's very familiar passage of Scripture, but we miss a lot of it if you're not careful. Jesus says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? What the truth is going to do? What is the truth going to do? Can I tell you no, it won't? Not if you just read the last part of that Scripture. You see, there's a word and in that scripture he says you will know the truth and it will set you free see the truth's always been there before i accepted jesus christ the, my savior that truth was always there but was i always saved no so i thought the truth sets me free the truth's always been there the only truth that's going to set me free is the truth that i know and believe Look at this. He says, then you will know the truth or believe the truth, and then the truth will set you free. But until you believe it and know it, you're always going to be in prison. See, it, that, that's why I'm saying some, of, some people could say, I've been saved 20 years, 30 years, but you're reliving year after year the same struggles that you're going through because you're still in bondage to the lies that you've always been believing about yourself. For 20 years, you've been thinking you're not good enough to do anything for God. For 20 years, you've been thinking you're less than everybody else. For 20 years, you've been saying, oh, I'm just pas bon. This person's pas bon. Uh, no good. You see, the enemy has got you to believing a lie. See, and it's only till you know the truth that God created you the way he wanted you to be unique who you are, and that you know that he created you to have a relationship with you, and that he created you for a person, for a, a purpose in life, only then when you grab onto all that truth, you'll be free. Because if not, you're walking around defeated. I, I don't know about you, but I, I think the word of God says I can do all things through Christ. But how many people constantly walk around, I can't. I can't do that. I, I can't do that. There's no way. And we're talking about fulfilling the purpose God has in your life. You see, God's word tells us we can, but we haven't bought into that yet. That's why we still say we can't. We're not believing that truth. So that, that area in your life, you haven't been set free in. You're still a prisoner to, to I can't. Knowing who you are, <laughs> know the truth, believe the truth, and then once you know it and believe it and, uh, in your heart, then you shall truly be set free. Now notice this, John 14, 6 through 7. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus didn't wonder who he was. Jesus didn't wonder who his father was. Jesus didn't wonder why he was here on earth. He knew. Notice what it says. Jesus answered, I am the way. He didn't say, I think I might be the way. I'm not sure sometimes. Sometimes I'm having a bad day. Maybe I'm not. 
You see, he knew beyond the shadow of a doubt who he was and what he was there for. He knew his identity. He knew his father created him, that he, he, he incarnation uh, in, in the flesh and became uh, uh, flesh and dwelt among us, and he knew who he was. He knew he was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father except me. But then notice the next verse. Listen what his uh, he tells his disciples. If you really know me, huh? if you really knew me, in other words, he's telling them, I know who I am, but y'all having trouble believing who I am. You see, Jesus knew the truth. They were struggling with the truth. He says, if, if you really knew me, you know my father as well. From now on, you do know him as you, has, as you have seen me. You see, they weren't quite so sure he was who he was telling them. You catching that? Jesus was always the truth. He was always the way. He was always the life. But guess what? They could not comprehend it because they were seeing him. And they weren't sure that he was who he said he was. So until they decided to believe that truth, the truth was always there, but they never were set free until they believed the truth. So Jesus knows who he is. So let's, let, let's get into us, uh, uh, who we are. Notice what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anybody in here born again? If you're not, we're going to pray with you at the end of the service. We want you to be. Amen. Give your heart to the Lord. If anyone, he says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation, the born again, has come. The old has gone, the new is here. We are born again in the Spirit. We are saved, and when we are saved, our hearts are renewed. But can I tell you something? It takes time for your mind to be renewed. You're a saved, once you accept the Lord as your personal Savior, if you do that this morning, if you've never accepted Him as your personal Savior, you're as saved as you're ever going to be. But tomorrow morning when you wake up, you may still be excited about giving your heart to the Lord, but your mind's going to still want to think the way it was thinking. Let me put it this way. God has allowed, the reason you have free will is because God says, I will not control your thoughts. I'm going to allow you to have your own thoughts because that gives you your free will. You will act on what you think about. The devil doesn't control your thoughts, only you. Scripture tells us this, that, that we are to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You see, your thoughts are yours. And the problem is, you have, before you got saved, you've, you've copied the pattern of the world, the way the world thinks, the way a lost person thinks. And what happens is it takes time to renew that. You see, well, the reason you think you're subpar, the reason you struggle with, oh, I can't stand myself, is because you're still believing the lie 
and not believing the truth that God made you. You're still believing you're a mistake. You're still believing you're something less than. You know, our mind is the battlefield. Your mind is the battlefield. We all have thoughts. Uh, <laughs> I always think it's funny that it says, you know, a penny for your thoughts. But when you start asking people a penny for their thoughts, they always want to give you their two cents worth. They want to give you an extra, <laughs> right? <laughs> they want to overload you on that stuff. So, uh, but understanding this, again, let's go on with scripture here. Psalms 139, verse 13 through 14. It says, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Do we see again how God created you? Okay, it says this. He says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. See, we are supposed to praise him when we know the truth that he made us. We will praise him because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But too many of us, this scripture reads in our life, uh, not I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I complain to you because I am a piece of junk. I complain because I I don't think I'm, I'm good enough. I complain because you must have made a mistake with me. There's something wrong with me. I can't stand myself. See, are you believing the truth or the lie? You believing the lie. See, we are to praise him when you could grab hold of that truth that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, your works are wonderful. Guess what? You are part of his work. He created you. You are work of his hand. He says, your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. And there's the thing. No, we don't. Many of us struggle with this scripture. That's why you're down on yourself. That's why you think less of yourself. Because you're thinking the way the world wants you to think. You're comparing yourself to others and what they're doing and not realizing that you're made in the image of God created by God the way God wanted you to be. Amen. The baby's amen to me back there. (laughs) You see, the devil wants you to think less than or bad about yourself because this is the only way he could keep you from fulfilling the potential God has given you. Now, I want you to be careful with this you you don't we're not talking about an arrogant pride uh narcissistic that i'm so great we are nothing without christ but in christ you are something okay in christ you are something god created you so let's go back again to genesis then god said Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that he may do what? Rule. Okay, God, we see God creating again, and here's the purpose, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, 
and over livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. In other words, when he created man, he put him in the garden. They had dominion over everything. They, they, they had dominion over Satan, who comes as a, a thief to kill, steal, and destroy. They had the perfect life. They were created in the image of God. They weren't gods, but they were created in the image of God. How many of you know that's pretty good? See, we say, yeah, there, but you don't realize you were created in the image of God, too. And they have purpose. They had dominion. But, what, but watch what happens. They had the perfect life, but temptations come in. And what, the, the devil came to tempt them or to believe a lie. Okay? And how many of you know that a lie comes in disguise? Think about a snake. When do you see the snake? When you're about to step on it. You don't see it from where it, it comes. It, it sneaks its way in. It, it's sneaky. You don't see it. You don't recognize it. And it comes in, in a surprise. It comes in a disguise. Which, and what he does is, again, when he tempted Adam and Eve, what he done was he tried to make them think that somehow God messed up on you and left something out and that he could promise to give it to you. In other words, he was telling them, don't be happy the way you are. You need, if only you had this. If only you were more like this. You see, and what was that? They thought they would be more like God. That sounds great. See, but that was the lie disguised as a truth. Do not believe the lies we have to believe the truth it says not then genesis 3 1 it says now the serpent was more crafty than all the wild animals that the lord god had made and he said to the woman did god really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden now Two things happened. Either Eve did not know the truth real well, but she did say, God, you know, in the next verse that we shouldn't eat. Or she chose to ignore the truth. In other words, she chose to believe the lie that she wasn't as good as she should be. That somehow God left something out. You're not good enough, Eve. You need this. You are subpar, Eve. You need this. The way God made you isn't the way you should be. He messed up on you. He forgot something. So, Eve eats the fruit. And what happens? Sin. When you believe the lie, she was free, had dominion over the lie, uh, dominion over Satan, and she lost all that because she decided to believe the lie instead of the truth. She thought 
the lie that was disguised as the truth was going to make her more like God. But what did it actually do? Who did it make her more like? God or the enemy? The fallen state. You see, when she believed the lie, she became more like Satan than she did God. She no longer was the person God created her to be because she was living the lie. We just talked about that either she did not know the truth well enough or she chose to ignore it by believing the lie. Now let's talk about Jesus for a second. How did Jesus gain victory over Satan in the desert? By believing the truth. Satan says, turn this bread, uh, this stone into bread, and Jesus says, what? It is written. See, he overcame the temptation. He overcame the lie of the enemy set in the trap for him because he knew what God's word said already. Now, Satan will mix a little bit of the truth with a lie. That's why Jesus says it's also written when he was tempted three times. Because Satan said, oh, it's, it's written that if you jump, that he'll send angels and things. And Jesus says it's also written, don't put the Lord God to the test. You see, Jesus overcame and fulfilled his potential and purpose in life because he knew what the truth was. He never bought into the lie. The lie is what imprisons you. The lie is what traps you. When we choose to live the lie, we may be thinking it's better, but we, we, we will never fulfill what God has created us to be. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5 says this. For though we live in the world, okay, Christians, we live in the world, we do not wage war as this world wages war. Now notice verse 4. The weapons we fight are not weapons of this world. It's a spiritual battle we're in, okay? On the contrary, they have divine power, godly power to demolish and, and stay on this verse here uh, Nathaniel strongholds do you know what stronghold literally translates as a prison of lies that's what that word originally actually translates as a prison of lies until I know the truth and believe the truth, I'm trapped in the prison of lies. And the reason I say I can't stand myself, I can't stand the way God made me, is because I'm believing the prison of lies that God left something out. That God messed up on you. That God was having an off day when He created you. You see... The weapons we fight are not of this world, they have, but the, they have divine power. Knowing the truth has divine power to not just break, but demolish 
the stronghold that is going. Till you could get in your mind knowing that you were created by God on purpose and for a purpose. The way you are. He didn't want, Tim, he didn't want you to look like, like a, a boon. He didn't want uh, uh, me to look like my wife, to be my wife. He gave us all different abilities and talents. And who are we to say, God, why didn't you make me more like this? Because he didn't want you more like that. He made Tim to fulfill the purpose that he created Tim for. He made Boone the purpose he created Boone to fill for. He created my wife for the purposes she has to fulfill. And only they can fill them. That's why he made them. That's why he made you. That's why he gave you your own fingerprint to let you know I didn't make you like anybody else because only you could do what I created you to do. Only you could fulfill the purposes I have for you. So to demolish these strongholds, and then it says we demolish, again, listen carefully, we demolish arguments, those things, and every pretension. A pretension is an allegation brought up. We need to demolish <coughs> arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against what? The knowledge of God. And what is the knowledge of God? Truth. You get what he's telling you? You need to understand. You need to not buy into the lie of the enemy. You need to break that stronghold, that prison of lies that, has, that you've been stuck in your whole life. And, and again, a stronghold in, in different areas of life. You may be free in one area, but still have a stronghold in another. But it's a prison of lie that, that keeps you there, that you're not believing the truth of God. And that's what he says. We need to uh, demolish it that anything, any lie, any thought we have in our mind that goes against the Word of God, you need to demolish it. That's a stronghold. That's something that's trying to keep you in a prison, that you're not free. You know the truth, but you don't believe the truth. You hear me? I, I can't stand myself. That's because, you, well, I know God made me, but you're not believing God made you that way. You, you haven't grasped that yet. And then he goes on to say, and we take captive. I mentioned this part of this verse earlier. We take captive every thought to do what? Make it obedient to Christ. You remember I said God doesn't control your thought life, only you do? And he's saying, when you begin to have a thought or an idea that doesn't line up with the Word of God, you have to stop it. Because if you believe it, if you don't uh, take that thought that is not obedient to Christ, because that's what he's saying, take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. He's letting you know that all your thoughts are not going to be in obedience. You're going to start feeling like you're less than, that you're, you're not as good, that these things. And he says, you need to grab hold of that and stop and look at your thumb. So, you know what? I'm not going to believe that lie, you old dirty devil. No one else has this thumbprint. And y'all look, I got marks a lot on it. <laughs> My hands are dirty. No one else has this thumbprint. Because God made me unique and individual. God made me special. And he says, I'm not giving anyone else that thumbprint. 
that's just for them. So we need to take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Again, dealing with our thought life. Proverbs 23, 7, and I apologize, I noticed on my paper here, I cut half the, uh, the verse off for you. Uh, but this is King James. It says, far as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, you'll see it on the screen. So is he. Then it goes on to say, eat, drink, say it, uh, say to he thee, but his heart is not with thee. When you begin reading other parts of these scriptures, it's talking about someone, be careful, someone's trying to deceive you. And he says, what you're seeing on all the outside is not what's him. He says that it, that's not his heart. He's not there to help you. He's there to harm you. Because what's in his heart is what he really is. You see, what's in our heart, what, what we know. What you, listen, so many people, especially social media these days, put on a facade on the outside like it's all. Oh, man, if only our life could be like theirs. Life is so great. Oh, this is my spouse. I love them so much. And then they, then they divorce the next week. What happened? What happened? I, I was coming to you for marriage counseling. Your life looked so good. You see, but that's not what was in their heart. And that's what he's telling you. It's what's in your heart, the thoughts in, in your heart. So let me add a couple of more scriptures here so you know. Um, Proverbs 4.23, the NIV says this. I'll come back to Genesis in a minute, Nathaniel. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, the Good News translation says it this way. Be careful how you, what? Think, your thoughts. And, and again, when the Bible talks about heart there, it's talking about your soul, mind, will, and emotions, your thoughts. For your life is shaped by your thoughts now think about this and this is what i need you to understand and be careful of that is the thoughts in our life what we're thinking take every thought captive make it obedient to christ how many remember hearing about noah uh if you put up a, a genesis chapter 6 5 notice this what happens The, when, when God destroys the earth, he says this, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of their what? Thoughts. It wasn't all their actions. It was what their thoughts were. He says all their thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. So now let's go back. Be care on uh, Good News Translation. Be careful how you think, because your life is shaped by your thoughts. So if you believe the lie that you're subpar, that you're not good enough, that's the life you're going to walk in. That's the life that many Christians have been walking in for 20 years. They're a Christian, but they, they know the truth, but the truth has not set them free because they haven't believed the truth. They're still in that prison of lies, that stronghold, saying you're not good enough. God made a mistake with you. Why did God even create you in the first place? It had to be an accident. No. See, that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants you in that prison of lies. The only reason you're here today is because God chose you to be here. 
The only reason we're created was because God chose to create us. He formed us. He wants to speak to us. He wants us to be in relationship with Him. He has a purpose for your life. The enemy wants you to think the total opposite. The enemy wants you to think... God messed up on you. He can't, he can't use you. God will never be able to use you because you're not good enough. You're not like so-and-so. If only you were like so-and-so. Eve, if only you knew. Don't believe that lie. So what do we need to do? We need to learn to begin to focus our thinking. We need to begin to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us in this. Uh, In Philippians, it, it sums up this way. Summing it all up, friends, I say to you, this is the message translation, verse 8, do, uh, you'll do best by filling your minds, your thoughts, and meditating, thinking on the things that are true. Let's stop there for a second. What is true? Is it true that you were an accident? Is it true that you're not as good as other people? No. But how, how many times we think that? How many times we think we're not good enough? He's saying, get that thought captive. Make it obedient to Christ. You see, the enemy says you're not good enough, but God says you can do all things through Christ. That's the truth that you have to hold on to. You have to break out of that prison of you're not good enough to walk in the freedom of that you are. Let's see where I'm at here. So again, summing it all up, friends, I say to you, you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best and not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. When we start saying we're not good enough, we can't stand ourselves, what we're doing, we're trying to find every imperfection in us. And we're not focusing on the truth of God in us. The next verse goes on to say, so whatever you have learned, this is the verse following this, and he says, whatever you have learned, we're just trying to learn this, he says, or received or heard from me or seen, seen in me, he says this, put it into practice. And if, if you put it into practice, guess what's going to happen to your life? And the peace of God will be with you. But if I choose to continue walking in the prison of lies, I'll never have the peace of God in my life. See, I'm only going to have the peace of God in my life when I start believing and knowing my identity is in Him. Not what other people say about you. Not what even you think about yourself. But what God says about you. So what's my next step? Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, the way you were 
thinking and the way you've always been, the lies you've been believing. But he says, be what? Transformed. In other words, uh, changed. How? By the what? Renewing of your mind. See, until you renew your mind with the truth of God's word in your life, you're living in that stronghold, that prison of lies. But only you hold the key. You have to believe the truth of God, then the truth will set you free. You see, God, God believes all that about you. It's He needs you to believe all that about you. God made you unique. That's the truth. But you need to believe it. And until you believe it, you're not going to be walking in freedom. You're going to be hating yourself. You're going to be all this. And God says, once you could grab hold of that, the peace of God will be with you. He says, then once, once you have a renewed mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His perfect will for your life. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So again, God wants to speak to you, and God has a purpose for you. He created you, and only until you realize your identity in Him, then will you know, be able to find out your purpose. See, because a lot of things God wants you to do, we want to say no to. Oh, I can't. Right? Oh, I couldn't do that. I remember the first time they wanted me to speak to youth. I got sick. I threw up. I had diarrhea. I got so nervous, I said, I can't do that. That's reality. Because I was believing a lie that you can't. Who are you? Don't stay stuck in the prison of lies. Renew your mind. And then you will find God's will for your life. Because until you believe who you are, until you believe who God made you to be, you'll never fulfill the purpose he has for you. Don't go to your grave with so much potential that God put in your life to change this world. Don't take it with you. Use it all here to influence this world. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Right? Does this look like a conqueror kicking a can down the road? I can't stand myself. No. But that's how many Christians live today. So what I need to begin to do is you need to de- begin to de- and develop a plan. Don't wait till New Year's. Develop a plan to renew your mind with the truth of God's Word. Get a Bible reading uh, schedule Take time with the Lord. Get Bible that you can listen to in your car. A good devotional book. Uh, you know, we spend money on so many things. But we, we, we won't spend the money on a good devotional Bible that explains God's Word to us. Oh, that costs a little bit too much. I'm going to go with the uh, $1.95 one. Right? The most important thing in your life you could do is know the truth of God's Word and how it applies to you. But that's the thing we're going to spend the less on. 
We're going to go buy the $100 uh, tennis shoes to play basketball. And we'll just keep the $1.95 Bible. Right? No. The most important thing you could do is get God's word in you. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. You hear all kind of noise from the outside 24-7. You need to make time to hear the truth. The world will let you know. The world will tell you you're no good. The world will tell you you can't. The world will tell you all the lies. And it's up to you if you want to believe them or if you want to believe the Word of God. Don't get stuck in the prison of lies. Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we close in prayer. Father, I just come to you today. And Father, I just pray for everyone in the sound of my voice. That, Father, your truth will become reality in our life. Father God, that we know our identity is found in you, Father God. Father, that we know that you created each and every one of us unique and special just the way you wanted us to be. Father, no longer will we believe the lies of the world, the lies of the enemy that try and tell us that we're less than, that we're subpar in any type of way. But, Father, we just believe right now, Father God, that you loved us so much. You created us, Father God, uniquely on purpose, for a purpose, Father God, that you want to spend time with us each and every day. Father, I pray that you help us renew our minds, Father God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, I want to give you that opportunity here uh, today. I just ask you to bow your heads and everyone just to say this simple prayer, uh, inviting Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and I admit that I am in need of a Savior. I know I fall short in many areas of my life, but I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe that he was raised from the dead and is seated at your right hand side. I accept the gift of salvation and ask Christ to be in my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Look at your thumb before you leave here. You're unique. You're special. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Remember, if you want to come take a, a picture with your family in the front, you're more than welcome to.